The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer for Rotowire, James Anderson. You can follow James on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. James, we're still waiting to hear back from Cameron's uh, agent regarding a... An intro song, but I'm just gonna I'm just not even gonna talk about that this week because we've been delaying that for so so damn long. Gonna focus on the Southern League on this episode of the Prospect Podcast. Uh James, you watched Blake Snell's last start, wrote up a great piece, uh, your latest farm futures. If you wanna check it out for yourself, go to rotowire.com slash pod for a free ten day trial on us, no strings attached. Now Snell, uh, impressive stat line in that outing. Six shutout innings, just one hit, one walk, uh, eight Ks uh, against Double A Mississippi. Uh, what what do you see that you liked, especially uh, primarily with with the repertoire? I mean, he's got a low to mid nineties fastball, but uh, how does the secondary stuff play play off that? 
Yeah, I think it it's it all starts with the fastball. Uh, you know, big six foot four lefty, athletic body, uh, really projectable body, and he's he's got this great uh, delivery. It's it's not a it's not a three quarters, not a full over the top, but um, you know, good at creating kind of planes with the fastball and and just uh, painting painting around uh, all quadrants really, and and then. You know, he's thrown that early in the count, and that really sets up uh, a, a really nice uh, changeup and a really nice curveball that he was he was flashing in that start specifically. Uh, threw a couple uh, cutters in there too, I believe. But you know, he was he was really kind of throwing the curveball uh, all over all over the place, and you know, got got some got some K's with it in the dirt, got some K's with it in the zone. Uh, you know, through through a real nice backdoor uh, backdoor changeup for one of the one of the strikeouts too. So I mean, he he's kind of he's in the zone right now, and and that's uh, pretty easy to see if you just kind of look at his numbers this year. And and before he got this was his first start at Double A, uh, before he was pitching at High A, and and he still hasn't allowed a run this year at at either level. So uh, this is a guy that's just really in the zone right now, and and it was fun to watch him. So actually, through six six no hit uh, no run innings today too uh two walks eight k's uh pretty impressive what he's doing so far now he's somebody who you know, i don't exactly remember where i ranked him on my rotowire roundtable but uh with the jump already up to double a and, and how well he's performing definitely rising up uh you know i would expect you probably have been you know probably have a plan tweak to your your top 200 where do you see snell fitting in uh, among among the other prospects yeah, that I'm gonna. I have a goal right now to have a, a new top 200 up on the site by by May 15th, and that's gonna be kind of. You know, that's just gonna be a rollout. It's just gonna. I'll tweet out like, "Hey, the new top 200's live." I'm not gonna do an article for that, but there will be an article for the uh, halfway point uh, top 200. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of said in the piece that you really kind of got to own Snell in leagues where where more than 50 prospects are rostered right now i had him just outside the the top 100 i think before the year but this is a guy that i mean every year it seems like we we see one of these guys that that starts in the low minors and just has one of those years where he just gets all the way up i mean maybe kind of a a daniel norris type of year for for snell this year where you know, at a certain point, they're going to look at that rotation and all the injury troubles they've been having. And, you know, Alex Colome looks pretty solid. I, I don't think he's necessarily going anywhere. But, you know, Nate Carnes, I mean, how, how firm is, is his spot in that rotation? And, you know, what if something happens to one of the other guys? Uh, as long as the Rays can stay somewhat kind of competitive or in the mix, you could see Snell this year. But but definitely he'll be in the plans for, for next season. And Whenever you get like a lefty that's got the the size and the the command and the the plus fastball, the plus velo with with some solid secondary offerings, I mean you got to think pretty highly of that guy. And you mentioned the command. I mean, looking at the numbers from last year, and we have four four and a half walks almost between uh, low A and high A. But this year, I mean, since the move up, he has shown making strides with that. What makes you confident though that? And he's going to be able to sh- continue those uh, control gains as he moves up the ladder. So, I mean, he's he's not one of those guys that's just going to live in the zone. I mean, he doesn't have that kind of command. But what what he can do is he can he can locate all of his pitches when he when he needs to. You know, I mean, he's he's not 
he's not up there just kind of throwing you know stuff like like he's not doing a Phil Hughes type of thing you know mm-hmm. he's he's got live stuff that's going to be uh, pretty electric at times I mean the the, the curveball is going to be in the dirt at times the slide or the the fastball is going to be you know kind of where, wherever he wants to put it to to kind of set up the hitter so there there's going to be some walks but you know the the command is is hits too I mean he's not he's just not giving it, the hitters really anything to hit right mm-hmm. now so I mean in, in that game that I watched uh he there i think there was like two balls that were hit hard at all and they were both yanked foul so i mean that that kind of tells you how well he is at at keeping hitters off balance and you know not the not the best lineup that was he was that was up against double a mississippi but i mean you know rio ruiz is on that team malik smith's on that team so there are there are some guys that are probably going to make the majors so uh really impressive just to kind of see how he dominated them with mm-hmm. with his stuff yeah and you mentioned he's not gonna a guy who's gonna live in the zone but he did throw in that outing 63 of 92 for for strikes and uh you know i think if he's able to you know just throw more strikes and but then still be able to you know generate as many swings as misses as he does i mean the strikeout rate and, up up impressively this year and when you're when you're in a zone like a guy like he is right now you're not worried at all about walking a guy mm-hmm. right like so nobody's hitting you hard nobody's hitting doubles or homers off of you that's fine a walk is fine you're just going to go down there and and assume you're going to get the next couple guys out so uh yeah i I really it's it's exciting yeah you mentioned he's he's killing it today i wrote in the piece that you should try to check him out if you if you haven't in this outing and and good to see that he's kind of he's keeping it going and it's it's sort of at the at a point now where how long can he keep this shutout streak going? Mm-hmm. It's thirty three innings so far. Uh, That's amazing. I mean, this is not really getting the attention it deserves. I don't think the Montgomery Biscuits, the teenage. <laughs> like, are you seeing this logo? I mean, it's a little biscuit poking behind an M. Like. We've talked a lot about minor league hats. You know, that, that, that might be a good one. That might be a, a perfect one. The biscuits. I did not. <laughs> I did not know that was the name of that club. Uh, yeah, Blake Snell, impressive. Uh, I need to doesn't, use. Doesn't Ghostface have a song called Biscuit? Uh, yeah, he's got yeah, biscuits. Yeah, 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 I think that biscuits. was on the Pretty Tony yeah, album. I think so. Yeah, uh, Metal Lungies. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm impressed with Snell. I'm going to have to utilize the Office MILB.com account to go back and watch probably today's outing. I want to see how he faces against Birmingham. Yeah, here. check out Tim Anderson. Yeah, Tim Anderson. Not a ton of talent on that team either. They, they have a, aside from Anderson. I mean, we, we'll talk about uh, a little later in the episode, but I mean, they actually have a couple arms that are that are pretty exciting. So I wonder if, if either one of them was pitching in this one. Yeah, we'll have to check. But first, we'll we'll uh, check out some other guys in the Southern League who are trending up. Jose Barrios of the of the Twins really getting off to a nice start. He's somebody I, I like. Um, the WHIP not great right now, one point five zero, but. The ERA, 3.54, 37 Ks in just 28 innings. And, you know, he was off to a really good start. I think he, you know, these numbers may have been inflated a bit. I haven't seen exactly I think there was like one well. bad outing in there. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just said he's on the rise because you might still be able to trade. You know, I mean, leading the, leading the Southern League in strikeouts. So it's, it's kind of one of those profiles that has changed a little bit since the start of the year where uh, there might be some room for him to kind of be a bit more of a strikeout pitcher than I originally thought. Yeah, he's – I mean, I, I think 
you know, we know who he is, of course, but I think more casual Dynasty League owners may be, you know, not as familiar with, with the name there. Uh, but just looking at his, his last couple starts, I mean, all, all pretty good. I mean, maybe they were inflated a bit by, you know, him just going uh, five innings and one, four and two-thirds and one, but uh, six innings, three hits allowed, uh, or th- three runs, eight hits, two walks, nine Ks, though, in his last. He struck out nine or more in three of his five starts so far this year, and it was really hitting the strike zone well. His last time out, 68 of 98 pitches for strikes. Uh, when do you see him moving up from from Double A? I I just don't think it's. I think the Twins are one of the toughest organizations to kind of get a read on that with, mm-hmm. and the fact that they brought up Eddie Rosario is is kind of encouraging, I guess. But you know, I mean, the the way that they handled Alex Meyer last year, I I get that he wasn't throwing uh, a ton of strikes, but. His numbers last year, I mean, he spent the entire year in AAA, and his numbers were, were a heck of a lot better than they are this year. So, you know, that, that wasn't enough for him to get the call or even just kind of show in the in the bullpen in September, which I thought might have been a nice uh, little, little carrot for him. Uh, Byron Buxton is obviously the guy that everybody wants to kind of start guessing about when he might be up. And I, I actually saw one of the Twins beat writers, I think it was Rhett Bollinger, tweeted the other day if – if Buxton like keeps hitting, he'll be up, you know, in like a month or something like that. Like, and that was just him guessing. I mean, it it wasn't Mm -hmm. quoting anyone on that, but I just don't, I don't, I don't really see that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why the twins would do that unless it was just to sell tickets Mm because they're, not a good team. I, I hope they don't think they're a good team. I mean, look at that. <laughs> look at that rotation. I mean, they're right that, around five hundred. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. I mean, Barrios. If you're gonna call up Buxton, you should just call up Barrios too. I mean, just call them all up. <laughs> you know? That's how I feel about the Astros and Correa yeah. and yeah. Appel. But yeah, with Barrios, I mean, the, the strikeouts are great. Opponents are batting two eighty one against him, but the strikeouts uh, are nice, and the the ten walks and twenty eight innings. Uh, a pretty good mark, uh, 3.2 walks per nine. Not as good as his, his number last year at 2.4, but I think you know he's, those numbers are bound to come down a bit. And with the move up, I mean, you had to expect some regression uh, in that category. Now with with Berrios, though, you know he, he's really a a fly ball guy. I mean, you look at the ground ball to, or ground out to air out for his career in the minors, it's 0.89. It's up to 1.14 this year. But do you think? You know, when he comes up, that that could be an issue, especially in his road starts. Or do you think, you know, he's a guy who's who's gonna fare well regardless, just given his ability to miss bats. I think it's a it's a fine profile to have for where he's going to be pitching. I mean, really, you only kind of look at the the cell as as the only place in that division where you could really get punished as being a a fly ball pitcher. Uh, maybe maybe you look at that Detroit lineup and you you get worried there, but that lineup's not going to be as dominant as it is right now in the next two or three years. So, I mean, you like, you like the idea of pitching in Kaufman, you like the idea of pitching in target field with, with a fly ball guy. So I'm not too worried about that. Francellus Montas of the White Sox. He's a guy I really was impressed with uh, in the Arizona Fall League. He was, you know, the, the delivery, it seemed like he had a little bit of a hitch, a little pause at the top of his, his motion, but uh, you know, it was very repeatable. He was able to, you know, dial up the fastball a lot, even with that little hesitation. And I like what I've seen from him. And he's off to a nice start with Double A this year: two point six three ERA, one point two four WHIP, sixteen Ks in thirteen and two thirds innings. Now we know 
uh, Rodon's going to get a start on Saturday against the Reds. But the back end of that that rotation, Hector Noesi, uh, Danks as well, really struggling. Do you see Montes being an option, or do you think he needs a, a good amount of seasoning here uh, with B- bring Birmingham? Uh I think he I, I think he spends the whole year in the minors. He might he might make it up to triple A, but he's a guy that I'm gonna have ranked a lot higher at uh at the next iteration of the top two hundred than than I had preseason. I think preseason I might have had him in like the bottom fifty or so. And he's just really kind of taken to upper level upper level pitching a bit better than I thought he would. I thought he might kinda struggle out the gate and then and then pick up steam, but uh yeah, I mean, I think if if I were to pick one of the guys they have at Double A to to get a taste this year, it might be Tyler Danish. But uh, Montas, he's a guy that probably needs some more seasoning. He's he's got an electric arm. He's twenty two years old. He'll be in the plants next year for sure. But unless they can kind of turn things around and uh, make a push for the playoffs and need a guy out of the bullpen, I think that's a role where he could be dominant in. But he could be really good yeah. back end arm. Yeah. Yeah, but you know maybe that's something they they try out in September, but I don't really see him making any starts this year. Now you, you say in your piece there that, you know, if, if Montes can, you know, have even average command of his pitches, he could be a frontline arm. So far this season, you know, control has not been very good. Nine walks and 13 two-thirds innings. But last year, just a 2.4 walk per nine mark uh, between his stops and the minors. Are you optimistic that he will be able to, you know, dial it in and and you know be able to touch the strike zone with consistency, or are you you know a bit hesitant of that and, and think realistically he'll probably be a you know four walk per nine guy uh, once he reaches the majors? Yeah, I think he'll he'll be a bit of a whip uh, whip risk, or or at least not a you know not a whip uh, asset asset. Yeah, I mean he's he's going to probably be in the one twos during his good years, but you, you're really just kind of looking for for the strikeouts with him. He could be one of those guys that. You know, if he can handle a, a full workload, he's a guy that could could K two hundred in a season. So that's that's kind of the the upside with him. Yon Lopez, Double A Mobile, two point two two ERA, one point one six WHIP, twenty Ks in twenty eight and a third innings. Uh, shout out to Melanie Newman down there, Double A Mobile. What's uh, up, <laughs> Melanie? <laughs> it was uh, nice to meet her in the fall league. But uh, Lopez, really impressive numbers so far. A right-hander from from Cuba, signed in the off-season, uh, relied a little a little on luck, you say here in the early going, uh, but the the results really speak for themselves. Uh, six foot three, how how does he project in your mind? Given that fastball, is does he have the stuff to to work off that, or or is he you know maybe kind of a one-trick pony here? I kind of like the idea of him making it as a starter. It's not a not a guarantee but um i'm not quite willing to to say that he's going to end up in the bullpen just yet i think that the he's a, he's just a guy that I, I don't think a lot of people know a lot about because he's in that that diamondbacks system uh signed him out of cuba in the off season and you've got aaron blair brandon shipley and did have uh or you did have uh archie bradley there too uh, so yeah, I mean, people might not be aware of Lopez, but he's kind of on that same trajectory. I, I, he might not beat Blair or Shipley to the big leagues, but he'll probably be there within uh, five or six months of, of them. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, not not going to be a a number three or a number two, but I think he could be a solid number four for them. And 
if it doesn't work out as a starter, he'd he'd be solid in that bullpen. Another guy who really has you know, extreme uh, fly ball tendencies. He, his ground out to air out zero point four two. So, you know, in Arizona, I feel like that could be a bit troubling. But I'm with you that you know there is some upside here, and he's definitely trending in the right direction. And even with eleven walks, uh, twenty eight in the third innings, I mean that's a pretty good mark. But just a one point one six WHIP, two eighteen BAA. Uh, pretty impressive uh, for Yon Lopez here. We'll get to some other guys trending upward. Uh, let's look at what about Tyler Danish? Uh, what what do you got about him uh, on him? White Sox uh, right hander, just six foot though. I mean, he's not the doesn't have the size of your prototypical you know major league starter. But are you optimistic that that he will be a major league uh, rotation piece in the years to come? Yeah, I think he's kind of a tailor made three or four starter, uh, good command. You know, the command might be better than the, than the pitches that he's working with. But, um, I mean, he, he, he hasn't necessarily shown it this year, but you know, a bunch of average offerings, but can command all of them or should be able to. And yeah, I think, I think he's going to be kind of a number four, sort of in that, uh, sort of in that like Nick Kingham who tragically got hurt, but like that Kingham, Michael Lorenzen kind of mold, uh, you know, a guy like that who I also was a little bit too low on Danish in the preseason. So he, along with Montas, is going to be a little bit higher. Yeah, you mentioned Kingham. The Pirates not only losing Kingham, but uh, who, who Glass, else? Uh, Tyler Glassnow. Glassnow, yeah. Glassnow's injury, though, was just – was that uh, ankle discomfort only, I believe? Yeah, I don't uh, think that was as serious. Yeah, that's good to hear. But, uh, yeah, tough blow for the Pirates who have been really – I mean, really struggling offensively at the major league level for now. But – uh, still still some talent coming up through that system. Now let's get to some guys who are trending in the wrong direction. I want to start with my boy, sure, I was going to say, you sure S. you want to do this? I don't think I want to, actually. <laughs> Bobby S., Robert Stevenson of the Reds. Reds' top prospect, at least you know in some minds. I, I think he's kind of slipping out of that out of that role now. But he has been really struggling. I mean, he's still young, but uh, the results so far at AA Pensacola – uh, troubling to say the least. Eight point three one ERA, one point seven three WHIP, twenty two strikeouts in, in seventeen and a third innings. But well, that's really the only positive takeaway here. Two ninety seven BAA, eleven walks, and and seventeen and a thirds. I mean, you you've kind of been you know the sobering uh, kind of side here for a while with Stevenson, kind of saying that you know you, you kind of think he's going to end up in the bullpen long term. Uh, I've been fighting on that, but same time, you know, Stevenson, kind of a unanimous top 50 prospects in, in most circles. Uh, do you think that he's on the verge of, of falling out of that on your, your top 200? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to be careful about saying that at the at the moment just because it is, you know, it's less than 20 innings and I uh, haven't taken the time to really to bang out what the top 50 would look like now with all the, the graduations and everything, but yeah, I think that it's it's definitely possible that he might not fall into that top fifty anymore. Um, you know, just it's hard to keep a guy like that in there when his troubles from last season have only been kind of enhanced this season. So mm-hmm. you kind of want to look. I, I think one thing people do, you know, everyone wants to kind of caution against overreacting and stuff, but I, I do think people are sometimes too slow to uh, to kind of put guys into boxes when when their their prospect star was once really bright i think people are sometimes too slow to kind of 
pick up and and kind of change their mind on on some guys. So I think I think Stevenson's a guy who I'm really kind of fading. You know, I I wouldn't want him in any dynasty league if I if I could get top 50 value for him at the moment I I certainly would jump at that if I could get you know even just kind of maybe not a top 50 guy but sort of a safe or safer kind of bat you know if I could trade Stevenson for for like a guy like Piscotti or even maybe uh, Billy McKinney or something like that I'd probably do it at the moment just because I'd I'd prefer to get away from all the risks that Stevenson carries oh so that that's tough to hear um what about a guy like Nick Gordon, who you had just outside your top 100? Uh, he's a ways off, and, but do you think you know his upside is alone to warrant that kind of move? That's a good. That's a good name. Uh, I was actually gonna. I forgot to throw it by you, but I was gonna suggest we go check out the, the Cedar Rapids. Uh, they're only like, yeah. they're only like two and a half hours away, but yeah, it'd be cool to, to, cool to get eyes on Gordon. I, I think you'd have to think about that one. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's what is it? He's probably three or four years away, but yeah, he's only know, only twenty one. How far is Stevenson away, though? I mean, he's he's not close unless no. unless they're going to move him to the bullpen. So I'm sorry, Gordon is nineteen. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I I think I'd have to think about that one. I'd probably still take Stevenson at the moment. I, I mean, Stevenson could be hurt. Like that's yeah, that's maybe. one thing that I, I wonder about is he just he's got too good of stuff to be <laughs> giving up uh, runs at this rate. I mean he's yeah. he's kind of up there with like Jonathan Gray in terms of guys that have really struggled out of the gate and and dynasty owners are probably terrified about. I mean Stevenson, I, I definitely thought that there was something wrong after he went just two thirds of an inning uh, back on May first against Double A Jackson. Gave up six earned runs, three hits, four walks, uh, one strikeout. But then he went six in the third his last time out. Better results, just two earned runs on four hits, but seven walks. But, I mean, better that's results, but we're talking <laughs> seven walks. It was better, but he walked seven. seven. I mean, that's yeah, that is troubling. I mean, 58 of 105 uh, pitches for strikes. I mean, none of his starts really. I mean, he's only made it out of the sixth inning once. That was that start where he walked seven, so... Uh, yeah, something something's going on. I mean, I think he needs to shave this mustache I'm looking at right now on his MILB <laughs> page. I I don't know what's going on, but you mentioned John Gray, also a guy who you know outstanding spring really seemed to be pushing up, uh, making it, uh, a real case for a major league rotation spot. But uh, do you have any idea what's going on with him? And do you do you think he's going to be a legitimate uh, starting option this season? No, I mean not at not at this rate. I don't I don't see why they would. I mean, he would have to put up, you know, a couple months of, of really good good work before I think they'd risk exposing him to the the troubles that can sometimes come with being a pitcher uh, for the Rockies. I I sort of think that we might have overrated his stuff a little bit. Hmm. Um, you know, he he had some high velos on his on his fastballs, but. As we've seen with guys like Nadia Valdi, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. If it's if it's straight and it's got no kind of explosion, then a ninety-eight mile an hour fastball is kind of exactly what you want from it as as a hitter if you can just sit on it and then Let's turn that around. Yeah. And then the slider might not be the wipeout pitch that we kind of originally thought. So I I don't know I I think I'm more optimistic about gray than stevenson because it's just a, sh- a very small sample and we don't have you know a full track record of him 
having issues with command like we do with Stevenson. But, uh, yeah, definitely not a good sign. And the, the Colorado thing also just kind of terrible. I, I, I just really wonder if – I don't see myself ever investing in Colorado starting pitchers in dynasty leagues going forward, um, regardless of the, the pedigree or the stuff. But I, I'm always going to be all over those, those uh, position players. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And you, you look at Gray. I mean, I, I did think, you know, coming out of spring training that he was nearing uh, a debut. But now, yeah, I, I don't know how that happens from spring training to the start of the season. Maybe he's dealing with something that they haven't disclosed, too. I, I don't really know. Uh, 374 opponents batting average against Gray. Uh, now he is maybe getting babbipped a little. Babbipped up at 443. Uh, strand rate at 52%. So... You know the FIP is is you know uh, less than half of of his ERA right now, but at the same time, can't be can't be too happy with what you're seeing. And uh, he's another guy who could could end up in the bullpen long term, even though their their need for starting pitching uh, certainly suggests they would keep him in there and give him all the time he needs to to figure things out. Now let's go to uh, you know C.J. Edwards, who we talked about I think on one of our initial prospect podcasts after he was uh, officially moved to the bullpen. But the results at Double A Tennessee so far have not been encouraging whatsoever. Ten walks and eleven and two thirds innings. I mean, this is a pretty small sample. But as you said, I mean, you know, you don't want to you know, totally discount these early early returns. I mean, you have to uh, evaluate based on what you got here so far. And you know, he's somebody who I thought could be a bullpen option later this year, maybe even a high leverage uh, reliever at some point. You know, maybe in September, late August, if the Cubs were really in it. But but what do you think here? Do you think, you know, Edwards' prospect status is, is really dimming here, or is he still a top 200 guy for you? I don't think he would be in my top 200 at the, at the moment, which is probably shocking to hear for some people that own him in, in Dynasty Leagues. But he's, you know, it, it's fair to kind of let him – kind of struggle through this stuff I mean he's been a starter he's just learning to be a reliever at, at the moment so he doesn't really know maybe how to kind of command that arsenal when he is only being used in short bursts and he's only and he is being in, used in two inning bursts which I think is important to note because that suggests that they're kind of hedging a little so that they could still stretch him back out towards the end like maybe in the second half if they wanted to let him finish the year as a starter in the minor leagues but uh, you know, it also does suggest to me that they were sort of maybe envisioning him as being their kind of Del Matantis, their Wade Davis type of guy, maybe later in the season as a guy that they could come in and, and get some big outs uh, down the stretch. Yeah, I, I'm with you for the most part there. I, I don't know, you know, the, the frame. I think with the move to the bullpen, I was kind of expecting him to be bumped from your top 200. But, um, yeah, I think just given how – how high his prospects stock was even this point last year. Uh, yeah. Those owners who, who held on to him, you know, through their keeper deadline are probably uh, dis discouraged to hear that. What about Tyrell Jenkins? The Braves uh, of course came over in a trade in the off season. He's struggling at, at Mississippi right now. 5.04 ERA, 1.48 whip. He's somebody who, you know, had a, you know, a good start 2.33 ERA through four starts, but you know, Poor results his last couple times out. Does he have the stuff to compete at the major league level, you know, in the short term, or do you think that, you know, both short term and long term, he, he's 
he's a guy who, who may uh, not live up to expectations. Yeah, I would I would be getting rid of all my Tyrell Jenkins stock if I had any. I'd, I don't really like him as a starter. Yeah, that, that ERA, as you said, kind of misleading. He had that one bad outing. That actually happened to be in the same game as the, the Blake Snell start I watched. Oh, that wow. was uh, him versus Snell. Snell, obviously, <laughs> getting the better of that. Um, just it's kind of Jenkins is a tough guy to evaluate because he has like a perfect starter's body, you know, six, four, uh, you know, athletic, but he doesn't look like a reliever. Like you, you don't look at him and envision late inning reliever. You look at him and you envision starter, but I think at some point it's probably going to come to a head and he's either going to have to find a way to make it work in the bullpen or, or just kind of fizzle out. On the other side, another you know former, you know highly touted prospect uh, in the Brave system now who was also acquired via trade this offseason, Manny Banuelos, Triple A Gwinnett, uh, faring pretty well. Three point four two ERA, one point two one WHIP, uh, strikeout or the walks have been up a bit, four point four, uh, but averaging you know almost seven and a half strikeouts per nine. Uh, I've, I've been surprised with how Mike Fultonevich has fared so far. And the Braves rotation, only two starts, but, you know, looking pretty good. And one was against the Phillies last night. But, um, you know, they still have some holes back there. Do you think Benuelos could come up and, and fill a hole for them at the back end? Yeah, I, I do. I think that at some point this season they should give him a shot and see what he's got as a, as a big leaguer. I think he's he's paid his dues. He's gone through quite a bit as just a 24-year-old already having a – you know, big setback. I think it was it was TJ a few mm-hmm. years back, and then you know, getting traded systems. I I think it'd be it'd be kind of a cool story to see him get a few uh, turns in that rotation towards towards the middle or the end of the year. Uh, definitely kind of a a the ceiling of maybe a number three, but probably more likely a, a four or a five. But sometimes you can make that work a, a, with the Braves in that ballpark. So. Be interested to see what what he does. I with Fulton Evich, I wish I had gotten a chance to see either of those starts, but definitely definitely got a, a decent amount of skepticism around yeah. around that success so far. Me too. He actually he was cruising, then he kind of fell apart. It looked like he kind of got tired out. Uh, and I'm I'm surprised with the control he's shown so far. I don't think that's and he was dominant in the minors before getting the call like this year. So he did force their hands with his his performance uh, in a brief run. Yeah, that trade, that Trevor Cahill trade is looking. I mean, some of their trades are questionable. But that, getting that guy is looking bad. But looking to next week, I mean, I may have to watch Manuelos's last start. Uh, you know, talk about that a bit. Six innings, two hits allowed, three walks, only three strikeouts, but uh, no earned runs. Uh, I just want to see for myself where he's at. I mean, he doesn't have the the size of a prototypical, you know solid you know consistent major league starter just 510 but pretty stout at 205 uh, i have some concerns about him holding up but for you know as a short-term guy who you could pick up and plug in especially in nl only i think he could be serviceable now we'll get to a, a big toss-up here i saw you talking about it in your in your comments section of your article uh you know carlos correa's numbers right now at triple a or at double a i'm sorry are absolutely insane i think he's 13 for 13 on the base pass bunch of doubles, bunch of homers. Of course there is the uh the question too of you know that with Astros without Jed Lowry and competing off to a great start this year is is Correa going to come up sooner than expected. Now Noah Syndergaard also faring well in a very tough place to pitch. 
Triple A Las Vegas between Correa and, and Noah Syndergaard too. You know, I think they were both in your top ten coming into the year. I think Syndergaard was just outside mine, but uh, who, who gets the call first? I think oh, it's going to be so close. I, I really think that they both get the call probably within the next month. Um, it might come down to what what the other Mets starters are doing, but I also just you look at that. I mean, Syndergaard's. He's not on a Blake Snell level scoreless streak, but he's on his own little stretch of I think it's like 17 or or 18 scoreless innings at the moment. It, it it's hard to leave a guy like that down there, especially in the in that environment uh, with Las Vegas. So I guess I'd give Syndergaard the edge because there's also his team's in it, like his team's yeah, in it yeah. to win it. And what if the Astros go on like a you know lose seven to ten type of stretch? Are you going to yeah. call up Correa? If you do that, I mean, maybe not. It may be, though, because, I mean, well, I, I'm not sure, but if they're really getting no production from the likes of Marlon Gonzalez, Jonathan VR, I mean, Jeff Lunau did acknowledge that he would consider it, and if that's the case. And there was a tweet from John Heyman yesterday saying that he has sources that say Correa is going to get called up in the next couple weeks, hmm. uh, which <laughs> that's just that's a that's a weird report to, like, kind of – to go with right because it's like so they know they're calling him up in a couple of weeks yeah. like I, I don't know just bring like I, I feel like a lot can change in a couple of weeks so I wouldn't I wouldn't take that as gospel but I definitely do if I if I if you ask me are, are both these guys going to be up in a month I would just say yes on both assuming that at, at worst I'm going to go 50 50 on that and yeah I mean they, they should both be owned I, I would say in in almost all formats right now hard to leave a guy like Correa out there even in a single season league where yeah. it's shallow just because the upside is so crazy and yeah we were talking in the in the comment section of that article I was talking with a guy who is trying to trade for Correa and uh, I've seen this has kind of gotten some steam uh, in the the industry over the past couple weeks about the the Correa versus Buxton debate for for top prospect in the game once once Bryant loses that status, but I actually I'm I'm kind of coming around to the Correa side of that. Wow, really? And that's that is all about Correa, really, and not, not about, about Buxton, Buxton at all. Like I'm not I'm not down on Buxton. I'm not selling Buxton. Still, still would love to have Buxton in, in all my leagues, but I just kind of look at the two of them and I'm like, yeah, Buxton's faster. I mean, Buxton's <laughs> Buxton's extremely fast. He's probably a better defender. Uh, like he could be, you know, one of the two or three best center fielders in baseball. Whereas Correa probably never going to be one of the two or three best shortstops in baseball. But I'm looking like at, at hit tool uh, power. I don't see really any difference. And I would actually probably give Correa the the power edge right now. Uh, I'd say their hit tools are, are pretty similar, but. I'm looking at a shortstop that has all those tools versus mm -hmm. a center fielder that has all those tools, and the shortstop's closer to the big leagues. The shortstop is, you know, in, in a better ballpark. Um, just I feel like there's more stuff in Correa's favor than Buxton's favor, and I'm For not fantasy purposes, yeah. probably. Yeah. And I'm not sold that I'm not sold that Buxton has a higher ceiling. Even I think a lot of people would kind of say that Buxton has the has the top ceiling. Uh, but I, you know, Correa, what, what if Correa hits like 310 or 320 with 
30 plus homers and 20 plus steals on a regular basis. I mean, that's, that's, that's as big as the ceiling gets for, for yeah. a shortstop. So I, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I would, if I had Buxton in a dynasty league, I would, I would trade him for Correa if, if I could right now. Wow. That's pretty big. I mean, so you, are you going to reflect that when you do your update, going to put Correa as the number one guy? I think so. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still high on Buxton too. I mean, as you say, nothing to do with Buxton, more to do with Correa. Buxton right now at at Double H Chattanooga, a two seventy four average, three forty on base, five oh five slug. I mean, three doubles, five triples, three homers, uh, seven for eight on the base pass, uh, ten walks to twenty strikeouts. I mean, this is a guy premier talent, but Correa really is. You know, with how well he's doing right now, it's it's hard to, uh, you know, think that when he comes up. You know, is true Troy Tulowitzki really the only shortstop that's going to be more valuable than him in fantasy? Once he start, uh, you know, once you know, if they were both, obviously Correa could struggle. I mean, we saw Bogart struggle. We saw Javi Baez really struggle. We, you know, Addison Russell hasn't set the world on fire, but uh, Correa, I think, has is is a better player than all those guys. And he may, if he doesn't struggle, then you, you could definitely make that case. I mean, who's the second best fantasy shortstop right now? Like, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not um, a it's not a high bar to clear. I, I mean, I think you'd probably take Ian Desmond over. Yeah, most guys. I mean, if, if Hanley qualifies there, you'd probably take Hanley. But um, it's not. There's not a long list of, of shortstops in fantasy who you even care about like if you're listing off the players on your fantasy team you're probably going to exclude whoever your shortstop is in most cases <laughs> no that's a good point i should you know i took over a team in skl one I, I really need to target correa in that league uh, after i somehow traded him to you in skl two that was one of the worst trades i've made uh but i want to get back to Syndergaard for a minute now you, you said you you probably think you did say that you thought he might be up a little sooner than correa right yeah, I, slight I don't. I like. I don't see a scenario where Syndergaard's not up sometime in June. Mm-hmm. Whereas I could envision a scenario where Correa's not. The only thing that complicates that in my mind is just how well Steven Matz is also doing down there. Do you think it's going to be one or the other? Or do you think, I think uh, the Mets could find room for both? It'll be Syndergaard if it's one. I, I could see them. I don't know how. I mean, who would they? Who would be the two odd men out if they? Yeah, bun? I mean they. I think they already said. Uh, I saw a tweet like one or two days ago that they they said it would be Syndergaard if if faced with a decision between the two, just because of uh, experience at that level. And you can't make a case that he hasn't earned it with how well he's pitching. I mean, I could see the case for Mats if if Syndergaard was struggling a little, but it, yeah, it's got to be Syndergaard if you're only going to call one up a month. Matt's at, at Las Vegas again. PCL, very tough place to pitch, but 2.04 ERA, uh, 1.18 whip, 9.7 strikeouts per nine, which is his best since since low A. I mean, it's a pretty small sample, but I, I like Matt's. I actually was Syndergaard and I picked him up as a speculative ad in a, in a he, uh, NL only head-to-head just because, you know, I lost Brandon McCarthy there, uh, lost another starting pitcher, and I just figured, you know, it, it's also head to head, so mm. you know I could probably you know bank on the ratios, play the ratios for a couple of weeks, and you know hope hope this pays off long term. But uh, when do you think Matt's you know 
pretty big lefty, 6'2", uh, 200 pounds, 23 years old, too. Do you think that, you know, maybe they make it a deal to, to free up these spots, or do you think, you know, he's just going to be kind of in limbo for a while? I think I could see him being in limbo for a while, and they, it's not it's not like people don't know that the Mets are looking to trade mm-hmm. pitching. I mean, they're, they're not going to just give – guys away to, to clear a spot for Mets and I, I think that it's a, it's a sound strategy by them I mean they're they're off to a, a strong start this year you can't have enough pitchers I mean how many teams have do we see right now just just in the like just mm-hmm. in the NL that have lost big chunks of their rotation and are just scrambling to kind of pick up the pieces whereas that's that's not going to be an issue for the Mets unless like they lose three or four guys so and we're not even talking about like Rafael Montero and uh you know they have some other arms uh, further away too, so I, I I don't see them doing anything crazy just to get Mats up there. They they were willing to hold Syndergaard down all all last year, and I thought he'd be up in in June this time last year. So, uh, yeah, I, I I like the idea of stashing him though in deep leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I made that tough trade with with Adam Wolf the other day where I'm trying to compete in in SKL too, and I had Day and I. Would, you know he had Plowacki and and I just I really wanted to make sure I wasn't taking a zero at catcher for a good chunk of the season especially since even once Darno comes back you could easily just get hurt again I mean that's his track mm-hmm. record so I did a straight up Mats for Plowacki I I would never ever rank Plowacki ahead of Mats but that's that's kind of the thing though like we were talking off air about people being really stubborn with trades and and always wanting to kind of get the best player in the trade like you can yeah. make a an okay trade without get it with you know losing the trade on a talent basis i mean it's yeah. all about need and if you're listening to this podcast you're probably into dynasty league so that's that's kind of one of the wrinkles that i like the most about that format is it's a it should be in theory at least a lot easier to get trades done because everybody's everybody views their team or their situation to win differently like exactly. you, sh- you should be able to find someone who maybe doesn't consider themselves a contender and you know, get what you need and, and give them what they need. So, I mean, yeah. I, that's that's kind of where it was. I, I, I hate not having Mats because I, I believe in him big time. I mean, I think he's one of the safer options out there. Um, got recently asked if, if a guy wanted to know if he should drop Hunter Harvey or Jorge Alfaro or, or Josh Bell or Tyler Glasnow for, for Mats. And I, and I wanted to say, I think I might have even said, like, I'd – I'd consider dropping all of those guys for Mats. Like if I, if I had to, I mean, he's, he's that good. He's that kind of safe to me. And, you know, I, I just think that he's a guy who I think what we had him ranked top 40 or something like that before the season, he's going to be a guy kind of knocking on that top 20 when I, when I update these. Nice. Nice. Now we're on, we're on the subject of the Mets. I just want to get your quick thoughts on, on Dilson Herrera, who was brought up. Uh, you know, I think he, he hit a homer yesterday. I think he had a couple of hits in that game. You know, it, it seems like Daniel Murphy's a guy who's also been thrown around quite a bit in trade talks. Is Herrera a guy in single season leagues to go out and get? I mean, you had him top uh, 100, top uh, number 86 overall on your prospect rankings currently. Uh, is he somebody that in single season leagues you like, or do you think when you know David Wright comes back, uh, he's probably going to head back down? I think that a lot can happen between then. I think I think it might have been Jared Diamond that made that point on on Twitter recently like Mets fans kind of asking like what you know are they going to send 
what do they do when, when Wright comes back? I, I don't think you should necessarily make moves based on anticipating a guy getting sent back down like in a in a few weeks. Like what mm-hmm. you know, what if Herrera just is is killing it? I mean, they they're in a position where he might be their best middle infielder on the entire roster. So with that, with where they are in the standings, does that make sense to to send that guy down? And he's a guy that got a got a solid taste last year too. So it's not like he's some some young guy that still needs to pay his dues. I think he's he's paid his dues and definitely a guy I think you should add in in single season leagues if you have a need at at second base or, or middle infield. Now I did play some some shortstop in the minors last year, but. Uh, none this year, and do you think that that's kind of out of the window? I, I just think that if that was on the table, it would have happened already. Mm-hmm. You know? Because Flores, I mean, he's been <laughs> decent. He's, he's hit three homers, but in the field, he's been, abysmal. He's been exactly what everyone basically pre- predicted he would be. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very true. They did give him a vote of confidence recently, but uh, how long can they really stick by that? It's going to be... I, I heard a Sandy Alderson interview where he basically kind of admitted that they're they're sort of just punting that position because they can't because what it would cost to upgrade it was more than they were willing to pay. So they were just kind of like, well, you know, we're not going to trade away like Mats or Syndergaard or someone like that just to get a better shortstop. So we're just going to be awesome everywhere else, hopefully, and just deal with. I mean, that's just a tough position to punt. And you know that as well as anyone with you know, Cozart over the past couple of years, but at least he was like, <laughs> Thanks. at least he was like, at least he was excellent at something. Yeah, you know? that's true. Flores is just, Flores is just really bad at defense and average or mediocre at hitting. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Mets, I think, you know, maybe we could see Murphy and Dylan G packaged for a shortstop. I don't know. I Maybe they, they don't want to pay a, you know, a price like that, for I, I don't know who would be available that they could get really that they'd want to pony up that much for, but I'd love for the so. I'd love for the Brewers to to kind of so, ask yeah. around and and just be kind of like hey uh, you know maybe maybe Conforto and like Montero or something like that or I mean they don't really I guess they could use Murphy but that doesn't really fit what they would be looking to do in a Segura deal I mean you're looking for young pieces there but. Uh, the Mets and the Brewers, I think, are just a perfect match right now. I'm with you. I think the the Brewers, you know, they they're still kind of well, a lot of teams. Most of the teams around the league still evaluating their team realistically. They don't it's hard to trade right now, but I I think that in the next uh, two to three weeks, we're going to see teams start to, to heat back up as far as dealing, and uh, uh, that'll be interesting to see for sure. And I think the Mets and the Brewers, two teams, are going to be very active. Going to get to the final portion of the show. Going to grade out our, our next pro wrestler. If you haven't heard this portion of the show, we grade out wrestlers uh, on the 20 to 80 scouting scale based on the five tools that we have come up with for, for professional wrestlers. Look, entrance, signature move, command of the crowd, and ring presence. You know, we've been doing a lot of big name Hall of Famers, uh, but today <laughs> we're going to get to somebody who is uh, not a Hall of Famer, to say the least. Marty Jannetty. I know you know a lot of people, even myself, soft spot somewhat for Jannetty from the Rockers days. He's pairing up with Shawn Michaels. Uh, but realistically, uh, not somebody I'm high on. We'll start with Look. Uh, what do you got for old Marty? <laughs> um, I just made a couple tweaks to my scores because I... <laughs> 
<laughs> I was I was in a the thing about Marty and this this will tie into his look is he he sort of has the look of a guy who you know maybe always got picked last at gym class or who maybe they they he might have won like some sort of dream job thing where he got to be a professional wrestler and he wasn't like a like he looks like someone they kind of like pulled out of the crowd and he's he's got no like swag or charisma no. he's just kind of happy to be there and yeah. so like that kind of I, f I felt bad you know just completely raining on him i was willing to kind of <laughs> to give him 45s uh 40s and 45s um but yeah. but you know i gave him a 40 for look uh you know he's he he doesn't have uh you know, he's not disfigured. He's not doesn't have, <laughs> doesn't have any crazy bald spots. Not really or... any muscle definition. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really not. Yeah, I, I mean, mean the thing with Marty. I mean, he's a former <laughs> Intercontinental Champ, so I don't feel bad, you know, dogging him. No, hard. I mean he he's deceptively strong. <laughs> <laughs> that is a nice, very nice way to put it. I gave him a 35. I mean, this guy wears like pajama pants to the <laughs> ring pretty much, like Zumbas. I don't know. He's kind of a wanna wanna be ultimate warrior. Like j kind like of, just with yeah. the look, like with the gear, like um, occasionally he'll have a little, little tassel action going. Yeah, he's somebody who you know, after the split with Michaels, Michaels went on, did his thing, changed the character, but Janetti was still just you know the rocker guy, who poor just, guy. the poor <laughs> poor soul who you know his career highlight was him getting thrown through a glass you know pain by Shawn michaels and super kick so uh, i got a 35 for look that's actually well i guess i have one higher grade but that's tied for the uh second lowest grade i have <laughs> no entrance we both agree here uh this is a 20 this is the lowest grade we've ever handed out yeah i you know, I I was trying to find like video of like an entrance of his. I think he just kind of just ran out there, chugged <laughs> <laughs> out like a classic jobber, uh, ready to take that three count. That's what I'm saying. Like it's like he's running in like from the audience or something. Yeah. Like they were just like, "Hey, you're you're gonna fight you, this one." And he's just like, "Oh, cool!" And he's like running in. He's like trying to get in the ring and. Already getting intimidated by the other guy before he even gets to the <laughs> ring and stuff. Yeah, so not, and really not trying too hard too. I, I mean, he all smiles and you know flaring his hands around and uh, just looking like a tool. Yeah, like um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like he he looks like one of those uh, like it, it, when a baseball team like wins a game and everyone's kind of celebrating. He looks like the least cool guy on the field, where he's like. <laughs> He wants to like jump and like hug someone, but he's looking around and there's nobody there, so he's just kind of jumping by himself. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what it's like. He also <laughs> seems like the kind of guy, I don't know who's, I don't know how to describe it really, but just, just a guy who, oh man, I'm trying to think of, of a good comparison, but uh, somebody who, yeah, just gets plucked out of the crowd. I don't really know. He's, the entrance, I don't remember an entrance music. I, I found the music for the Rockers. The Rockers uh, music not, was all right. Not, like, not anything special, though. I'd, I'd put like a 35 on that music. Yeah, when he would come out with, with Michaels, I mean, that was somewhat memorable. They would just pretty much run to the ring. But singles matches, I do not really remember uh, anything of Gennady's. He was <laughs> Nobody does. I also don't remember the signature move. I got a 20 here. Well, I, from what I could tell, it was the... Um, uh, it, it was the like punch like where he would 
he would jump from the the fixture and like the corner. D- yeah, just deliver a punch. Okay. Or I don't know. I yeah, you're right I though. Know. I mean, like there's yeah. I'm looking now on Wikipedia. Finishing move: diving fist drop. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. With the Rockers, it was the Rocker Dropper. I don't right. really remember that, that as much. But. That was, see, like I would, I would put like a forty on both of those. the hmm. The Rocker Dropper was just, yeah, it was just bland and whatever. But um, he, or the Rocker Dropper, he would he would go uh, over a guy's head on the side and then just kind of go down, take hmm. him, take his legs out and go down. But the the diving fist punch, I. I like any signature move that incorpor- incorporates, um, you know, jumping on on top of a guy to to complete <laughs> the process. So, mm-hmm. I like that part of it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's not not special. We can yeah. we can move along from that. Yeah, he's. I mean, when you go up against Shawn Michaels, who's got one of the greatest of all time, sweet chin music. Uh, I mean, hard to hard to compare. I mean, that's always overshadowed by overshadowed by Shawn Michaels, and maybe that's. You know, reason for these low grades, and you, nothing he can do about that. You know what he he kind of reminds me of is he reminds me of the guy in Blow that uh, have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, like the guy that uh, sells George like is his first connect. You know, mm-hmm. um, kind of am- ambiguous sexuality. Uh, that guy. Um, yeah, kind of just in the face and just kind of the just getting kind of used and, and spit out of the drug game. Like he, he that's kind of how, uh, Gennetti was in, in the wrestling game. I kind of, I finally came up with something here. I kind of feel like he's a guy from like an eighties game show who, who just came out and was just happy to be there and, you know, lost, but was still like smiling yeah, and like yeah. high-fiving the crowd as he left the stage. Yeah. Just, just your, your typical kind of, Price is Right contestant from like <laughs> yes. the early nineties or exactly. something. Exactly. Like now command of the crowd. Uh I feel like this was maybe a bit too generous. Yeah, no, I I'm looking <laughs> at mine. I'm changing mine. I got a forty year, but I'm gonna go to thirty. Yeah, I'm putting mine at a thirty too. Now yeah. I will say when he did come and surprise Shawn Michaels at the Raw uh, where he won the Intercontinental title, the, the crowd was going pretty crazy. The crowd was behind. He's an everyman. He is. He's a classic <laughs> everyman. That's, that is true. He's Joe Blow. And there is some value to be had in that <laughs> in the world of professional wrestling. Now, Commander Crowd, we both got 30. Um, again, when he's not with the Rockers, not with, with Michaels, um, and aside from that one match where he was IC champ, really you know, hard to remember any time where the crowd was – you know, really, truly behind Marty Jannetty. Yeah, but uh, Perfect was behind him that one time. <laughs> oh, that's true. Came <laughs> that, what's that count for? Yeah, anytime you have Perfect on your side, even if it's kind of just, you know, through <laughs> common dislike of Sean Michael. I almost don't, yeah, I was going to say, actually, that might not have been heaven. Although Perfect was pretty pumped when he won. Uh, he was pumped for Jannetty, it seemed, but Perfect was kind of more there for Perfect. Yeah. Perfect's always just there for perfect doing his thing. Now ring presence, thirty five here for me. What what do you got? Forty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, deceptively strong, as I said. <laughs> I mean, he he wasn't. Uh, I mean, there were times when he looked incredibly overmatched, but there were you know no quit. Um, <laughs> decent athlete, I guess. Decent athlete. Yeah. I mean, he. You know, if there was a if there was like a wrestler's. Uh, like Olympics or something. I feel like he he wouldn't win, but he wouldn't finish in like the bottom thirty percent. I think he'd, he'd kind of be up there in the. That's a nice cop. <laughs> in the middle, in the yeah. middle there, you know, hanging out. You know, Marty now 
uh, <laughs> 55 years old. Uh, shout out to Marty Gennetti. Uh former, you know, two-time tag team champion. Uh, you know, carved out a nice little career for himself. I, I don't know what he's doing nowadays, uh, but I I'd imagine just going around for mall mall <laughs> tours. I feel like he must be the nicest guy yeah, of all fun. time because yeah. he kept getting like the he kept getting work like wrestling mm-hmm. like there there was a there's he fought like the Miz fairly recently really like and I mean he shouldn't have been in there I mean he he was out of shape his <laughs> his hair was it was just not a, he didn't look like a wrestler he really looked like an everyman at, at this point but I mean he, I figure he's just the nicest guy ever that you know he was like hey I'm looking for work and they were like oh yeah we'll give Marty we'll give Marty a match versus the versus the Miz <laughs> just bring him back give him a quick paycheck because he needs it <laughs> he needs yeah. it yeah let's help him out I mean <laughs> this is I mean you look at the the career yeah I mean he was in WWE as recently as uh, 2009 it looks like maybe that yeah. was what you saw and I mean. Yeah. Yeah, he shouldn't was, have been in there. No. <laughs> he's also, you know, kept getting opportunities in WCW. Uh, yeah, that's he's like a good clubhouse guy, like one of those guys that just like a Sean Casey type yeah. that just hangs on till he's like thirty eight or forty, just because everyone likes having him in the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. I, that's a perfect comp for him. Uh, just a guy who's you know signed to a minor league deal, yeah. just given the last yeah. spot on the major league roster at he's the a, end of spring yeah, training, like a bullpen catcher. Yeah, I will say though that possibly the biggest knock against against Marty Jannetty is when he came back and formed the New Rockers with Leaf Cassidy. Uh, There was nothing sadder, uh, as far as I can remember from my childhood. But that will do it for today's episode of the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. James, thanks for joining me, and thank you for listening. I will be back with you next Thursday. Please like and and review the uh, rate and review the podcast on iTunes if you get a chance. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.